Welcome to Agape Ministries Podcasts, a whole new way of thinking. Episode 82, Part 2 of Mary Burns' teaching on The Call to Unity. living stones of our lives that the spiritual house will be built up. It's not so much something decreed from above, but something realized from below as we come together. And even though there may be really important and are doctrinal differences, and they need to be sorted out, but at the same time, as that's going on, we are, need, we are called by the Lord, and I know he's saying this now, here and now. He's calling us to reach out and put things right and make that phone call or send that text or whatever it is to lay down our lives for one another so that, I don't know, did you ever do, this has just come into my mind, did you ever do knitting at school? I was you always hopeless at it. And you know you drop stitches when you're knitting. Well, I used to be forever, the teacher would be coming around saying, you've got to go right back and pick up this stitch, you know. And then if you were knitting socks, you had to turn a heel. I have never successfully turned a heel in my life when I'm knitting. But it's like picking up the stitches in the body of Christ when we knitting that network together in our daily life. And Father Cantalamesa, as he usually does, puts it absolutely wonderfully, I think. He says there is a doctrinal unity that official ecumenism is following on and carrying on through dialogue. But that has to be accompanied by an ecumenism from us, from the ground up, where we love and forgive and knit together the body of Christ. And he gives the example, he says it's like water. We use water for drinking every day, for washing, for daily life. But then he says there's the chemical formula, H2O. He says the formula is just for books, but the the water itself is for daily living. He says there's a unity that's a formula and that there's a unity that's for daily life, and we're called to do something about it. We're called to do something about it. And the Holy Spirit will guide us and lead us. And I know that in my own, I've always sort of had a heart for unity, and I remember years ago, we have a little prayer group in a place you probably never have heard of, Moholden County Leitrim, and um, I really felt that the Lord was saying, gather people together from different traditions. Now, where we live, I would say it's probably 97% Catholic, you know, so we didn't know that many people of other denominations. But we decided to try, and we made inquiries, and actually some of our members, one who is with the Lord now, went door to door inviting people that she'd never spoken to get to before who were Protestant from Longford and further afield to come. And we invited the Reverend Cecil Kerr, which some of you, whom some of you would have known, the most beautiful man. 
and we also invited Father Joe Brilly. And we decided, because we were about 50-50 at that meeting, that we would do something that everybody could join in, and we had a repentance service that evening. And when it was over, there was such a blessing. You know, the psalm says, where brothers and sisters dwell as one, there the Lord commands a blessing. There was a blessing. You could feel it. Everything moved like oil smoothly. And Cecil wrote to me afterwards, and he said that it reminded him of the cloak. You remember the cloak that the soldiers cast lots for, and they didn't divide it up because it was woven together from top to bottom in one piece. And he he thought that was the image of what the body of Christ should be like, you know? And just recently at our National Charismatic Conference, because again of Cathy giving me that CD, we had Dennis Wrigley and we had Father Jack Soulsby from Australia. And both of them, it wasn't that we just invited a Protestant speaker, I'm not sure what denomination Dennis is or if he's any, but... um, you know, as a token speaker, to give just one speak. I said, he's not coming unless everybody has absolute parity. And the blessing, the feedback after the conference was, in one way, it's not good to look back, but they said it was like the old days. The spirit was moving so powerfully. And at the healing service, these two guys stood together with their arms round one another, and the spirit was poured out on the place. You know, it was... I felt it was really, really something beautiful. Now to the bit that gets me all excited sometimes. Um, I was reading a book by Alan Shrek recently, and he said, God has already given to the church what he called the secret of unity. And he said, it is what was the unity that was manifested at Pentecost. He said, Pentecost is the way to unity. Pentecost is the way to unity. And he described the um, early disciples, you know, how they would come together. They were all from different backgrounds. Some of them might have had great grievances against one another, but the spirit had been poured out upon them. He says maybe there were some among them who had crucified Christ and now had been converted And they were all together sharing in simplicity and joy. I know this is the ideal, and only the Spirit can bring this about. But it's an ideal. It's a wonderful ideal. And, um, you know, he said that they would go to their meetings, and there'd be such joy and such laughter, and they would share everything, and nobody went hungry. And that of all the gifts and power and manifestations of the Holy Spirit that were poured out after Pentecost, this was really the greatest, because the pagans would see them coming out from their meeting full of joy, and they'd nudge one another, and they'd say, look at these Christians, you know, See how they love one another. Look at their joy. And the Lord added daily to their number those who are being saved. So if Pentecost is the secret, as Alan Shrek says, to unity, we, the charismatic renewal, really have a job to do. And we must not be sidetracked, as somebody said, I forget who now at the moment, somebody said we must not be sidetracked from our central purpose to bring the baptism in the Holy Spirit to all 
the world, to everyone. Derek Prince says, the main purpose of God in pouring out or bestowing the baptism in the Holy Spirit is unity in the body of Christ. It's a grace for unity. Because if you remember back, I remember, I wasn't there in the very early days, but after that, I remember we'd come together to praise God. We knew we were brothers and sisters. We knew we had the one Father. It didn't matter. I know they have to be dealt with the, the, the differences. Of course they have. There's got to be truth there. But we just joined together in joy and we praise God and the gifts of the Holy Spirit were released. You know? So if baptism in the Holy Spirit is a grace for unity, we really should be bringing it out to everyone. The little doc document by Icarus, which is on the table outside in the bookshop, and if you haven't read it, I'd say get it and read it. It's very, very good. It says, baptism in the Holy Spirit makes Pentecost present and alive in the church today. Then it goes on to say something really strong. Baptism in the Holy Spirit answers the deepest needs of the church today. And Pope Francis on the 1st of June last year said quite clearly to us, I want you to offer the grace of baptism in the Holy Spirit to the whole church. Could that be clearer? You know, so I'm really inviting you and I'm giving myself a good kick as well to do the same thing. That when we go home, that we will listen and ask the Lord, because if we're doing something in our own strength, it won't bear any fruit. Sometimes we have planned, gosh, I'll do this on such a date and I'll do it every year on such a date. Maybe we haven't asked the Holy Spirit at all. And maybe it, it doesn't bear fruit. We need to come before the Lord and ask him. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> and if I can remember this quote, I quoted it yesterday in the afternoon, if I can remember this quote of uh, Father Cantalamesa about relying on God, one of the reasons that we, um, you know, I think that we have watered down and diluted what God did in the charismatic renewal is that we began to rely on our own strength rather than relying on God and on the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you very much. And Father Cantilamesa says, you know, he said the danger is that we tame the renewal and even the Holy Spirit himself. That man cannot bear the devouring fire and love of the Holy Spirit. So we put a shield around it and we stand back at a distance, you know. A bushel is put over the fire and the bushel is the multitude of plans and ideas that come from ourselves. You know, more organization and more of our own planning, etc., does not replace the power and the dynamism of the Holy Spirit. I feel, I hadn't intended to say that, but I feel the Lord is saying, you know, throw yourselves on my power, surrender to me, listen, I will come. The power of my Holy Spirit, you know, can do amazing things if we will only listen and let Him listen. Really come away and listen to what God is asking us to do. I was going to say something about baptism. Oh yeah, I know what it is now. It's just come back to my mind. Um, 
Paul VI said, if we love the church, the main thing we must do is foster in it an outpouring of the Holy Spirit, the paraclete. He also said at one time, he said, what the church needs is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. He it is who animates and sanctifies her. He it is who is her divine breath, the wind in her sails, her source of charism and song. The church needs the Holy Spirit fire in her heart, words on her lips, and prophecy in her glance. And that won't come while we're doing things in our own strength and our own good ideas. We need to surrender again to the Lord, and we need to let flow out. Somebody said to me yesterday, gosh, I don't think we've done the Life in the Spirit seminars for 25 years. Somebody else said, no, we haven't. Let me tell you that the Lord is inviting you. This is his powerful grace for unity, for bringing people into an encounter with him, for the gifts of the Spirit to come alive so that the world will look and see that we are one, you know, that we are together. So I'm asking you, maybe you individually, maybe you as a a group, to come and listen to the Lord and ask him, what do you want me to do about this? At the RDS at a conference one year, a lady who had never been at the conference, an elderly lady who had a quite a daughter in her 50s, I think, who was mentally retarded, whom she looked after, came to the conference, didn't know what it was about, but heard, uh, you know, the requests being made for an Alpha or a Life in the Spirit seminar, whatever course it might be that would bring people into this release of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And she came up afterwards and she said, that really grabbed me. She said, I don't understand it, but she said, do you mind if I ring you and I'll ask you how to go about it? So she rang me and I told her she really didn't know, but she, and she really had a full-time job looking after her daughter. She, I told her where to get the booklets. I gave her a list of speakers and phone numbers. And she went to the parish priest and the parish priest gave her the church on a Sunday afternoon with no questions asked. Every speaker she asked said yes. The place was packed. Now she didn't know it was the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit did mighty things, you know. So we're being asked to let the river of life flow out. We're being asked to let the river of life flow out. And just before I finish, this again has just come to my mind. We know that a tool for unity is forgiveness. We know that, you know, that we, that it's, it's not a feeling. It starts off with a decision. And as we decide to obey Jesus, to forgive, he sends the power of his Holy Spirit on it and makes it real eventually. And sometimes it has to be worked through. But I just, it just comes to my mind, and I'll tell you the power. This is dramatic. It's not the everyday little niggly things. But Dennis Wrigley told me this, that he was in Northern Ireland And he said there were two Catholic men, father and son, sitting in their front room, praying on a Sunday evening. They had prayer groups or Bibles or something open on their knee. And paramilitaries came up and they shot through the window and they left them dying in pools of blood. The ambulance came, the ambulance driver was a great friend of Dennis's. And they were taking them to the Victoria Hospital in Belfast and they were dying. And the older man lifted his head suddenly and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And Dennis said, 
the bleeding stopped instantly. And they took them on to the hospital and they decided to check out the older man because of the wounds he had got. And they discovered just starting a small cancerous growth, which they removed. And Dennis said the Lord had turned the curse into a blessing, you know. So we really just need to reach out. So we need to let the river of life flow out. If we don't, it gets stagnant, you know. I was saying to somebody yesterday that I go to a place that runs the Life and the Spirit seminars every year, and of course I can't judge because I don't know what God is doing in people's hearts. He's probably doing something wonderful. But it's the same people there. And, you know, I always say, if the disciples at Pentecost had said in the upper room, gosh, this was a marvelous experience. Think of the power of the Holy Spirit. This is beautiful. This is wonderful. We'll come back here again and we'll lock the doors and we'll stay here for another You know, if they hadn't gone out, God is calling us to go out, you know, and to let the river flow out. Where the river flows, life abounds. Whoever is touched by the river of life will be touched by God and brought to life. Um, Spiritually dead humanity will come to life when it is touched by the river of the Holy Spirit flowing out. And we in the renewal have been given really a responsibility to bring out and to offer the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Don't listen to me, listen to Pope Francis, who's asking that we offer it and put loads of prayer into it beforehand. Because in scripture, the spirit came down when people were on their knees praying and thirsting. You know, I don't know about you, but I'm thirsting for more of God's spirit. And I think, you know, when you come together, have a little discussion, because you'll know better than me. How do we make people thirsty? What can we do before the seminars begin to make them thirsty? for this grace of baptism in the Holy Spirit, which should lead to unity if we follow through. So let's just take a very quick look back and then I'll finish. At the beginning, God poured out a grace which was for unity. He opened a joint way before us. That Kansas conference was held in response to a prophetic talk by Ralph Martin three years before it happened, and this was only seven years after the renewal had started in Duquesne, where he said that he saw the Pentecostal, the Neo-Pentecostal, the Catholic streams flowing separately, but God was opening one riverbed so that they would flow together, that God wanted to reintroduce or into the church, New Testament Christianity. You know, Archbishop Ramirez said, people are ti- they're tired about hearing just about Jesus. They want to see him in action. And that's what we've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, being given the power of the Holy Spirit. We have the same power within us that Roman 8 says, raised Jesus from the dead. Think of the power that's within you. Let's not stifle it. Let's make a decision to repent, to fall on our knees before the Lord and say, Lord, I've been doing things I have anyway in my own strength. I want to really give my life to you. Use me. Show me what to do. Because each person, each group will be told different things which will all come together to form the body of Christ. 
to form the body of Christ. God did open a joint way before us. And I actually am not surprised that the renewal is diminishing because our plans are not better than God's. That was his plan. That was his plan. And that is his vision. And this vision that I got sitting up the other night in bed of the the church, um, just, I can't think of the words to describe it to you. It was shining. It was full of life. It was like it was moving and throbbing and power was coming from it and people were running from all sides towards it, just drawn by the unity, the love and the forgiveness. But let's just look a little bit further than that. Let's look into eternity a little bit because the Lord of the harvest has promised a bumper harvest And our unity is going to be so important in the bringing in of this harvest. So let's just look for a second before I finish at the revelation that Jesus gave to John in the book of Revelations. He says, I looked and I saw a great multitude, too many to count, from every nation tribe, language, and culture, standing before the throne and the Lamb. He who sits on the throne will place his tent over them. Never again will they hunger. Never again will they thirst. The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd and he will lead them to springs of living water and wipe every tear from their eye. They are our brothers and sisters that we will be loving and holding hands with in heaven. Amen. Thank you very much. So thank you for taking the time to listen to these episodes. Our prayer is that as you listen and reflect on these teachings, that you'll be encouraged to continue your journey, to maximize your potential, to have a good and a happy life. So sign in again next week for more teaching on how you can follow the Jesus way to experience your life as filled with meaning, purpose, and joy. So God bless and stay safe.